from Optimized Health, this is the True Health Podcast, where we unlearn diet culture and optimize our life, one tip and story at a time. My guest today is Becca King, also known as the ADHD nutritionist. She is a registered dietitian nutritionist from Charlotte, North Carolina. As an adult with ADHD who struggled for years with disordered eating, Becca is passionate about helping other adults with ADHD who struggle with binge eating, chronic dieting, and disordered eating heal their relationship with food and find food freedom. She uses principles of intuitive eating and a weight-inclusive approach to nutrition for ADHD across her virtual practice. Um, I am so excited to have Becca joining us. Um, I've had a lot of people send me lots of things from her. And um, yeah, welcome, Becca. Thanks for having me, Ethan. I'm super excited to be here. Yeah, this is going to be great. So we were chatting beforehand. Um, and for context, for anybody listening, I have had many, many, many um, health coaching clients reach out or send to me links to things you've posted. on Your Instagram is like... Anybody seemingly with ADHD is following you on Instagram and is finding <laughs> value in it. So um, that's awesome. And clearly it's resonating. And I'm curious, kind of backstory, like how did you get into this space um, yourself? Just kind of origin story, you know, the ADHD nutritionist is such a, yeah. such a thing. So tell me. Yeah, before I had, so in grad school, I like got introduced to the idea of like, um, like dietitians on social media and things like that. And I was like, that's really cool. Like that'd be a really cool part of a job. I like kind of started like a lot of nutrition students like posting recipes and things. Um, so if you scroll like way down on my Instagram page, it's like mm -hmm. totally different. Um, <laughs> and then I stopped when I started, I got my first job, which was actually in weight loss, which was not a good fit for me. And that was in like 20... 19 and then um around 2020 when the pandemic kind of started we actually had someone who was bulimic at the time at our weight loss clinic and I was like this is in my opinion this is unethical like we shouldn't be seeing someone with an eating disorder for weight loss like there's wow. a lot there's a lot of like eating disorder clinics in Charlotte there's a lot of places that could help this is not the place for this person and they basically were like well we see everyone so if you don't can't do that, like maybe you should find another job. And then kind of shortly after that, I had to stay home um, as kind of COVID picked up because my friend had came from New York City. So I got a cough and we couldn't get tested because it's like the very beginning of COVID and she was staying with me in a little studio apartment. And I'm like, yeah, why don't you take two weeks off of work? And then during that time, I'm unemployment got passed. And I was like, um, can I just like not come back to work? And they were like, yeah. And I was like, okay, bye. Um, and it felt like I got out of like a toxic relationship. <laughs> um, and then kind of during that time period, it wasn't working. So I had a lot of time to kind of think about like what I wanted to do next. And I was like, well, a lot of things are moving online because of COVID. I was like, this seems kind of like a good time to start my virtual practice. Um, so I got a business coach and started working with her and I knew I wanted to do like intuitive eating you know, kind of work in that niche, but I didn't really know who I wanted to work with. And then um, I was actually working with a really good friend and thinking about my own journey with food. And I was like, there's this whole ADHD component here that like, 
nobody's talking about and everything I would find online for ADHD at the time, especially, um, was like how to feed a kid who has ADHD and very like eat this, not that stuff, but like Hmm. didn't really talk about binge eating, which was like, I did a survey at the time and like every woman said they struggled with binge eating that had ADHD. And I was like, there's this whole component that no one's really talking about. And then there's also like the executive function piece of like cooking and meal planning and like actually doing the things you like want to do. Um, and no one was really talking about that. And I was like, all these kids that we're talking about of how to feed them, they become adults and don't know how to feed themselves. <laughs> it's like, there's this whole, whole thing here that no one's talking about. So I was like, you know, what? I'm going to try it out and just see, <clears throat> see how it goes. And started posting like more about ADHD and nutrition. And it's just kind of like took off because people like finally somebody gets what I'm struggling with was kind of like what I started hearing more of and I was like okay I'm on the I'm on the right path so yeah absolutely and that's fantastic and you know I think what's interesting you point out I mean a couple things one is um that there are so many people I mean whether we're talking about ADHD or plenty of other situations there are so many people who are looking for something specific that's specific to them, but in the general kind of wellness, health, fitness world, all of that kind of stuff, it's so much of what's out there is such crap. And so much of what out there is so broadly just like, well, just lose weight as quick as you can. And it's like, wait, that's not even like, I guess that's the only option. You know what I mean? Like people just kind of like assume that's the only thing and that's what they're supposed to do because that's all they're seeing versus health in like a larger capacity and like what they actually need to feel good yeah yeah and I think I think we get a lot of messages that like you would that's what you should do and all of your other problems like health-wise are magically going to disappear and like some of them might get better or improve some of them might go away but sometimes they might not either or like losing weight might not actually address like especially mental health stuff like losing weight doesn't mean that like you're not going to have depression anymore or like your ADHD is going to go away. Like it doesn't, it's not going to do any of those things. So it's like, is that like what we want to focus on or is there other things, you know, if you're not eating fruits and vegetables, like maybe start there, like with eating more fruits and vegetables. Like there's so many things you could focus on that are not so big and broad of like, okay, like doctors will do that. of just, just lose weight. And then you're like, but like, how and they might not even tell you how or they'll give you a handout and you're just like just telling someone to go do something there's so many diets out there that like how do you figure out what you're supposed to do and and what's going to actually like work with you and your lifestyle and your needs yeah absolutely um so I'm curious within your work you know the connection between something that people typically look at as something more kind of mentally driven right like something like adhd around attention and and activity hyperactivity and this kind of stuff connecting that to the physical is not something people typically do or think about like i'm sure you've had so many people be like wait adhd and nutrition like that's almost like a (laughs) jarring thing at first and then people are like oh it kind of makes sense you know so i'm curious for you in your work like are you specifically working with people that have ADHD or is that just a large amount of the population, but a lot of what you're working on applies kind of generally, or what's like the overlap? I would say that all my clients either have an ADHD diagnosis 
or like really resonate with, they might not have a formal diagnosis um, for a variety of reasons, whether it's, they just, it's really expensive um, in some places, like, especially outside the US, it's can take you sometimes over a year to even get evaluated um, mm-hmm. or you to go private. And like, it's just a whole lot of hoops to jump through sometimes. And so you know, it's like, if you resonate with the content, like getting a diagnosis is simply getting help. Like if you see ADHD content, you're like, that's me. A diagnosis is great because it can open the door for like more treatment options. But pretty much everyone I see like has ADHD and either disordered eating or binge eating is kind of. Yeah. Okay. Great. Yeah. Just wanted to ask or clarify. So um, within that population, so specifically if somebody's listening who maybe has ADHD or thinks they have it or have symptoms of it, are there a couple specific questions or places they should maybe start or things that you see that are kind of like the top most helpful things that person should consider? Yeah. Yeah. So one thing is I would say like they kind of go together, but like being able to recognize body cues just in general is challenging for people who have ADHD. Um, So like um, hunger, a lot of my clients are like, I don't even know what physical hunger feels like for me. Um, I don't know when I'm hungry. I don't know when I'm full. Um, And that can lead to like easily going all day because you're like, oh, I'm not hungry. So I don't need to eat. Right. And then it's, you don't eat. And then all of a sudden by like five or six o'clock, you like hit a wall and you're ravenous. And then you're like, I need food now. And at that point you're so hungry. You're usually going to go to what's the quickest, fastest thing. What's usually high in sugar and fat and all those things, because your body is like, you haven't fed me sometimes barely at all during the day and then end up binging. So a lot of times I will kind of work with my clients to eat more, regularly throughout the day is kind of a big thing to focus on and that sometimes too can help even in eating disorder recovery that's usually kind of a recommendation to help kind of bring back hunger cues if you have been restricting Mm -hmm. because it's kind of like if you are ignoring a message from your body over time your body's like okay cool if you don't want to listen to this cue I'm just going to stop sending you the cue that you're hungry so once you start kind of like refeeding a little bit or eating more regularly those hunger cues will kind of pop back up and even for my clients that are medicated they'll start noticing when they eat more regularly on a schedule they're like oh I do notice I'm hungry it's just that it's not like a growling stomach it's like oh my all of a sudden I can't focus I get really hangry and that's how I know to like it's probably time for me to like pause and ask myself when I last ate and it's like oh it's probably <laughs> something yeah. so, yeah. so it's like learning those cues it's fascinating because I was thinking about this as you were saying for people in general, you know, that is such a common uh, challenge. And I think a lot of it, even if somebody doesn't have ADHD, right, a lot of time the thinking is, well, the goal is to restrict as much as possible. Like I need to lose weight as quick as I can or whatever it is. And they kind of are starving themselves throughout the day and then binging at night. But what's interesting is with something like ADHD, like you're describing, especially I would imagine if somebody's taking medication, their appetite could be suppressed from the medication or they could just not even be aware of like it's taking the biggest challenge people have and sort of pushing it even like increasing the chance of that happening so that's got to be really tough for people yeah and the crazy part is like um there's one um adhd medication 
um, Vyvanse that's FDA approved for binge eating. So a lot of times if someone has ADHD, because it does treat ADHD as well, doctors will pre like prescribe the Vyvanse, which is great. And it can do a lot of amazing things. But if you don't actually address what's going on with the binge eating or why someone's binging, it's like, cool, when that medication wears off because it's a stimulant, so it can't, you never sleep if it was in your system 24 seven, then it just kind of like makes that, they might not be binging during the day anymore, but they're likely not gonna be eating mm -hmm. a lot during the day and then just binging kind of in one window of the day. Okay, we have to talk about this because I have, um, I won't name names, but I have a couple specific people um, one is a client, one is my brother who wouldn't care if I shared his name, but, <laughs> um, who come to mind, especially, um, one, my brother, Dylan, I'll just say his name, but he's fine <laughs> with it. I already asked him. Um, he is somebody, for example, where he has been diagnosed with ADHD for years. He's on Vyvanse yeah. and he is constantly upset about this and struggling with this because he takes Vyvanse every morning and he yeah. feels like if I don't take this I like can't be a functioning or productive person yeah. genuinely so he takes Vyvanse every morning is basically not hungry at all through the day and then at night snacks a ton holy candy and chips and pretzels and whatever is around and, you know, I was speaking to him actually this morning before talking to you. Um, and he was like, please ask her, like, what do I do? Is there, you know, and what was interesting is he was kind of like, you know, A, is, and again, everybody's situation is different, obviously, but, you know, he's like, he's like, are there ways I can pull back on my medication and use food to give me energy in a different way? Or what do I do if I'm just in this cycle where I, feel like I need the medication, but then I'm binging every night. So I don't know your thoughts on yeah. any of that, but I promised him I would bring it up and it sounds relevant to what you're talking about. Yeah, that's kind of, I call it like the ADHD binge restrict cycle because sometimes it's not like in a dieting, like some people can get stuck in that binge restrict cycle, but more from the lens of like focusing on trying to lose weight or dieting or restricting, but it's like an unintentional kind of restriction where like, it's so easy once you're medicated to just kind of get going. And if your body's not giving you hunger cues, it's so easy to be like, okay, cool. I can just keep doing all of these tasks and get everything I need to get done in the day. And then once your meds wear off, it's like, I call it the hunger monster. And I'm like, the hunger monster comes in and you're like, holy cow, I haven't eaten all day. And you just want to snack and snack and snack. And then on top of that, your brain isn't getting that dopamine basically from the medication anymore. So it's, you're kind of seeking stimulation as well. So it's kind of like compounded by like, oh, I'm hungry. And then my brain is also looking for dopamine. So it's like, oh, this is like, it's really hard to manage. So mm -hmm. a lot of the recommendation is like focusing on protein during the day um, can be really helpful. A lot of, I don't know the, any of the science behind this, but a lot of ADHDers find that like eating breakfast with or before their medication makes it a little bit easier to eat throughout the day. So that's always something to work. I mean, usually a high protein breakfast, um, something to explore. I will like think about foods, like if eating is really challenging, exploring like liquid sorts of things that can give you nutrition, like protein shakes, smoothies, soups, 
yogurts, things mm -hmm. that maybe like sometimes chewing can be unappealing on medication. So things that still provide you a lot of nutrition, um, but can maybe be a little bit more tolerable. Some people prefer like quote unquote kids food. So like PB and J's and mac and cheese and things that like are just kind of like a little bit more simple foods, I guess. Um, so sometimes just exploring some of those things and seeing if that helps a little bit mm. uh, to compensate. Sometimes if it is really hard to eat or it's making it worse, exploring either a different medication, um, a different dosage, um, and kind of exploring that with your doctor to see like what's the most helpful route. So. Yeah, that's fascinating. And I would imagine too, when you talk about the dopamine element, that um, my guess would be a lot of people are finding themselves not, you know, if the if they are taking medication as that wears off, or just in general, if they're not eating enough throughout the day, snack foods are like the ultimate dopamine hit, and especially, you know, it's crunchy, and you're getting a lot and you're, you know, if you're eating pretzels, you're taking a bite every 10 seconds versus like a steak or some salmon or something, you know? So is it mostly kind of junk food, snack food that is common or is that? Yeah, I would say, yeah, like those are kind of the more common things just because they're also like, a, there's not a lot of effort involved in being like getting to eat those foods, right? Like you can go in the pantry and open up a bag and eat it versus like, if you're going to cook yourself dinner, you know, there's a lot of steps in that process, you know, versus, oh, I can open up pretzels or I could go in the freezer and grab ice cream or there's all these chocolate candies or whatever it is. It's just like a lot easier to do, you know, it's a lot more yeah. accessible. So. Yeah. Wow. Um, you mentioned earlier, you know, around kind of the decision-making element a little bit and kind of knowing you I, you, I think you talked about it more in the sense of kind of hunger cues, but I would imagine with that, comes knowing what you even feel like eating. Yes. Kind of deciding what to eat. So how does that come up or does that come up? It can be challenging for some people. I find if you, you have no idea what you're even like, what your options are to eat, like it's going to make it challenging if you haven't even like, you know, taken some sort of inventory of like, what meals do I want to have this week? You know, I do very flexible meal planning personally, but like just knowing what my options are to have for breakfast, lunch, and dinner kind of thing, you know, makes it a little bit easier versus like, oh, it's time to eat dinner. I need to go figure out what I even have or if I need to go to the store. Um, I find if you wait too long and you're hungry when you start thinking, like making the decisions around food, it's even if you don't have ADHD, it's going to be harder to think through, like, what do I want when you're really hungry? Because everything's probably going to sound good. Yeah. <laughs> needs to, needs food so I think having some sort of plan or idea of what you're going to eat makes it a little bit bit easier and understanding like what your you know your sensory preferences are or food preferences are around things like what textures do you enjoy you know how do you like your vegetables prepared or what's you know seasonings and things are enjoyable to you or like types of cuisines even and using that as a way to kind of decide mm. um, yeah, the sensory element is something that I, to be honest, had never even thought about until work, you know, working with some clients that had brought it up. Um, and I'd found a lot of questions around, well, I don't know why, but I just, this texture feels weird or chewing, I want 
like you were saying, creamier stuff either is great or not great, or like there's much more preference around that. Um, Where does that come from? Or is that common or why? Or yeah. It just seems, I don't know. I'm sure there's more science behind it that there's, there tends to be differences in sensory processing, I guess, just kind of the way we interact as ADHDers with the world. Um, so kind of like sometimes you can be overstimulated by certain things. So I have some clients who hate crunchy foods because it's just too bit much of a sensory experience. But I also have a lot, I would say the majority of people I work with that really like crunchy foods because it's that's an enjoyable sensory experience and they will be more likely to be grossed out by like smoother foods or foods where they don't have to chew it because it's like, that's just not enjoyable mm. of a sensory experience for me. Um, so wow. I think- yeah, I think just understanding that and and accepting some of it, like it's okay if you don't like vegetables, you know, prepared in certain ways, like lean on the ways that you like them prepared or even, you know, if you like, um, I'm trying to think of other things like um, that are kind of common things. Like if you don't like yogurt, there's other protein sources that you can get that aren't yogurt. So like just exploring those things and kind of lean, like knowing what foods fit your sensory preferences and not like, don't force yourself to eat something just because like, oh, it's a nutrient dense food. But I, if it's like making you gag or it's not satisfying, like it's gonna be hard to motivate yourself to like, if you go buy a bunch of Greek yogurt and you don't really like Greek yogurt, the chance of you actually eating, it's probably slim. And then you're just going to end up throwing out a bunch of Greek yogurt. Right. (laughs) Right. So it would almost be interesting to start through the lens of, okay, let's, you know, think about do I prefer crunchy food or not do I prefer prefer sweet food or salty food and almost using those questions helps people figure out their preferences that they might not be thinking about yeah yeah and I think we don't I had a client once when we there's an intuitive eating there's a principle called the satisfaction factor um and when we went through that one she was like I wish we like were taught how to like taught this as a like in in high school instead of like more nutrition education of like how to think through like using my senses to decide what to eat you know and so in and generally a lot of intuitive eating um, counselors and people will um, start with satisfaction because it's just not really a part of the decision making process with food especially in western cultures it's so diet and nutrition focused that like we forget that like eating is supposed to be a satisfying experience and like Mm -hmm that I kind of think about as like the mental piece of fullness. Like if you, you know, like for me, a piece of like baked chicken with like plain broccoli and like brown rice, not very satisfying eating experience. And even if I was full physically, I would probably want to go keep eating because it didn't like, it wasn't what I wanted in terms of like that satisfying experience. Um, But if I maybe roasted the broccoli and added some like, cheese or maybe roasted potatoes instead of broccoli probably would be satisfying for me and then I would mentally if I was full I'd be able to stop eating so I think satisfaction especially with binging I think it's important to consider that if you're like forcing yourself to be super restrictive at some point that pendulum is going to swing the other way and you're going to want all of these like really highly palatable foods because you've been like denying yourself all of those those foods I'm so glad you said that because I couldn't agree more. And I think I think what's so fascinating is people 
are have become i mean especially in in america i think but you know in general but people have become so obsessed with um is this quote unquote good or bad for me or is this healthy or unhealthy that they forget that they are supposed to enjoy food and like yeah. it should be a nourishing positive thing in their life yeah. and that's so interesting to me yeah yeah I don't I it's it's very interesting like how it just like we kind of like oh no if this is a a bad food or this is unhealthy I should should never allow myself to enjoy it or even like even just enjoy it like people might allow themselves to eat it but the whole eating experience <laughs> is I shouldn't be eating this right now I'm a terrible person for eating this like yeah. you know it's just and then it's like well it's not an enjoyable experience I don't want to eat like that like I want to be able to like if I want a cookie I want to like really take the time to enjoy the texture and the different flavors and like the satisfaction it brings me and just and then move on with my day versus like uh you know how much like how much more like how much longer am I gonna have to you know be on the treadmill for or right you know all of the like just negative self-talk there it's like okay well then you're like some people kind of have the like well I already had one screw it I'll just eat I'll just eat the whole batch of cookies because that self-talk is so negative Totally. That's what I was just going to say is like, then you have won. And because you've sort of conditioned yourself to believe that that cookie is the enemy, you're like, well, I'm off, quote unquote, now yeah. anyway. So I should probably have as many cookies as possible before I go back on tomorrow. And it's like, yeah. what? Like, your health is happening 24 seven. It doesn't matter yeah. if it's Monday or Friday night. It's the same thing. You know, it's like the we call it like the last supper. Um <laughs> mentality and intuitive eating where it's like okay if you've messed up like I'm gonna eat as much as I quote unquote messed up I'm gonna eat as much as I can of this before I start my diet again tomorrow or it's like a planned cheat day whatever it is of like let me get or I'm starting a new diet tomorrow let me have all the things that are about to be taken away from me before I you know and then you're just eating. and then you feel terrible when you start the diet because you're like I need to eat all these things that right. they don't even like sometimes. hundred so. percent. You know, it's funny for me, I got into this whole space after a big weight loss experience. I um, had dieted forever, dieted since I was a kid, all this kind of stuff. And I um, was well over 300 pounds when I was first losing all this weight. And as I started losing the weight that I did, you know, it would begin with there were cheat meals kind of scheduled and planned out. And I used to like joke with my friends. I was like, each cheat meal is a holiday. Like we like I would get together with my friends and be like, how much can I eat? Because this is a cheat meal tonight. And it's just like over time, I was like, wait, if I do that, I'm just going to feel shitty the next day. So why do that? You know, um, but it is it is fascinating. And, you know, when you talk about something like ADHD, I think the thing that's really interesting is it does take all these common things we're talking about and just makes it in a lot of ways, a little bit tougher because yeah. there's a lot of stuff going on um, in your body, in your brain that is sort of like putting these triggers in front of you in a, in a different way, which I think is fascinating and some people aren't thinking about. Yeah. And, it, and that's where sometimes I think a lot of maybe neurotypical advice or advice that like from someone who doesn't have ADHD they're like you just do the thing and then it's like you literally don't understand that 
I've been told that and not just with food everywhere in my life, just do the thing that you're struggling with doing. And it's like, that's not really helpful to just tell me to do it. How do I do it? Or help me like break down the steps in this process um, so that I can do it, you know, or figure out what the barrier is. Yeah. And, like with cooking, you know, what part of the process for some of my clients are like, you know what, chopping vegetables is takes so much time and so much mental energy for me that it prevents me from actually making a meal or I never eat vegetables because of it. And I'm like, okay, cool. What other option we have, you know, frozen vegetables, you can buy pre-cut if you want to, you know, pay for someone else to kind of do that prep step for you. Um, there's so many ways, you, you know, if you have kids, mm -hmm. they're appropriate age, like get them involved in the cooking process. So you have one less step there, but like exploring those things and just giving people permission to like, do things maybe in a little bit of a different way because I think on social media you just see a lot of like you need to meal prep and spend your whole Sunday cooking in the kitchen and blah 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 and it's like if you want to do that awesome if that works for you awesome I love cooking and it's never been something I've been able to do and I felt like in grad school I kept I like would beat myself up because I'm like you should be able to meal prep like it shouldn't be that hard and then I was like oh it's not even just the whole spending hours in the kitchen because I can I can I can do that I don't mind but by day two, I don't want to eat what I made. And there's trying to meal prep different meals for a week based with like the same kind of ingredients is a lot of mental energy. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay, yeah. I don't need to meal prep that way. Figuring out, you know, when I did have to go into like an office space or go to the hospital to do work, it was okay, make extra the night before. And that's my lunch the next day. Or I would prep something else that I'd, you know, like, rotisserie chicken and a salad and like some other things on the side but like that worked well for me of like okay I can meal prep that way versus making like batch cooking you know yeah so for somebody listening this is great so one thing you've mentioned is high protein breakfast yes um another thing if you are taking medication would be ideally maybe timing that either with breakfast or eating before to kind of jumpstart your metabolism and kind of those hunger cues for the day. And then the other place you just mentioned too is um, trying to identify which part of the food experience is the challenge. And yeah. it's probably a little bit different. That's interesting, you know, whether it's chopping veggies, is it meal planning in advance? And then once you know, you can start to kind of one by one build out a program or plan that actually makes sense for you yeah so I have some clients even where like going to the grocery store is just a very overwhelming sensory wise like it's usually very brightly lit there's lots of people there's just a lot of stuff in there um and so yeah. that can be an experience that like isn't fun for a lot of ADHDers and they're like I don't I will avoid going to the grocery store which means I don't have any food in my house which means I'm ordering way more takeout than I want to be ordering so just don't have anything because that's too overwhelming to do so like okay maybe you pick up your grocery your you know you do an online order and you pick them up if you don't want to pay for delivery or get them delivered you know and that takes that you give that job to somebody else to go do if that's something you don't enjoy if you enjoy it awesome you know but just kind of exploring some of those, those yeah things. it's great and I think you know the process of like you're talking about these intuitive eating concepts seem so relevant and practical which you know are for people in general again but the idea of tuning into your hunger cues and truly sort of 
taking what I would assume are a lot of people who are not used to thinking about hunger cues and sort of actually treating it with the respect of, no, let's actually figure this out. Like we're not going to vilify certain foods. It's more about figuring out how you feel yeah. or turning, you know, almost not forcing yourself to eat, but if you're not typically eating through the day, being like, cool, let's figure out a system and try some protein here and here and here. That's fascinating, the intuitive piece of it. And then you find, um, a lot of my clients will find like, oh, wow, I actually feel better during the day when I eat or like my energy levels are better or my like my ADHD symptoms are actually better because my brain is being, you know, fueled throughout the day versus just like running on empty. So I think, yeah, it's really nice and it's interesting. I think a lot of people think of intuitive eating as like a only listen to your body kind of thing. And it's like, it's not just listening to our body, but also pairing like the lot, like what you know about nutrition, what you like know logically, like, cause I've had people say, if I just listened to my body, I wouldn't eat until five o'clock and then I'd binge. And I'm like, well, okay, well, we know that that usually doesn't make people feel great. Or if I listen to my body, I just eat cake and cookies and, you know, and McDonald's 24 seven. I'm like, okay, cool. You have permission to do that in intuitive eating. But how would it make you feel if you ate those foods 24 seven? And then they're like, oh, I wouldn't feel great. I want to do that. Right. Exactly. Like it's the how you feel piece that's important is connecting with that. And you might find that when you do that, there's some foods where you're like, oh, actually, I don't like this. I, this food doesn't actually make me feel that great. And it's pretty kind of, it's kind of cool when my clients are like, I actually crave vegetables or fruit for the first time. Like, I didn't think I could, I would ever crave like, you know, nutrient dense foods. And I'm like, it's kind of wild once you're bought, like, there's not that restriction there of like, I can't have these foods and I have, to, I'm, you know, forcing myself to eat more nutrient dense foods of like, what actually feels good in your body. And generally speaking, even the research shows like people who eat intuitively do generally eat more nutrient dense foods because it, it feels good when you eat them like yeah absolutely well and I think you know what I've found too is the indecision piece and the the comp the common piece of I I don't know or like you tell me what to eat and I'll eat it or I don't really care I'll just go <laughs> wherever like that sort of thing is really yeah. common and it goes against like if you're in a situation and you have ADHD and you don't want to deal with deciding what to eat and you're like my partner, like I'll eat whatever they make for dinner. I don't care. Or like we can go to whatever restaurant you want. Just I don't care. Like all of that kind of stuff takes the burden off yourself to do that deeper, more challenging work of figuring out what you actually want. Yeah. And I think it's one of those like it is so common for people to be like, yeah, just tell me what to eat. Or I'm like, I can tell you, I could write you a whole meal plan, but the chances are at some point you're going to want something else or it's not going to meet your preferences. Like what I like is my, probably not what you like to eat and that's okay. <laughs> like, But if you don't know those things, it's really hard to figure out. Like that's probably why meal planning is hard for you. Or if there's some of that dieting mentality there, there might be foods like, Ooh, this sounds really good but it's bad. So I can't eat it. So now I don't know what to eat because mm. I can't, I shouldn't eat that thing. And it's like, well, if you want the thing, like you can honor that like craving or desire for that food. That's okay. <laughs> yeah. hundred percent. Wow. This is fascinating. And do you find, you know, as far as um, 
other challenges people might face? Like, is there anything around exercise that you tap into? Is there more nutrition focus? Is there anything in that space or around sleep, for example, like some of these other non-nutrition pieces that are always kind of a piece of. And I think that's one of the cool parts about the intuitive eating framework is like, it's not just about like what you're eating per se, like a maybe more like traditional diet, but it's kind of, it does encompass all kind of parts of our, our health, if you will, because like, if you're not sleeping, you're probably going to crave more carbs because your body is like, you are not giving me, <laughs> you didn't let me rest. I need some like, kind of like energy, even though it's not going to make, make up for not sleeping, but that's just kind of how our bodies work. So it's like, okay. And most ADHDers have issues or challenges related to sleeping. So it's like, okay, we have to address that. Um, Interesting. You know. Um, and then the movement piece. So movement is like for a very small percentage of ADHDers can replace the need for medication because it is such a, like, it is a very stimulating activity for our brains. Um, so I like to talk about movement in that way okay. and just exploring too, like how it makes you feel like, does it help you have more energy and kind of the part there is again, kind of like with getting started with cooking, it's kind of the same thing of like task initiation. So like getting, how do I get myself, if I want to go work out, how do I initiate that task, um, to actually go do that? Or, cause that usually is like an area or finding the time if you struggle with time management, you might not have time in your day to go do movement in any way. So trying to figure out, you know, what kind of movement you enjoy, kind of the same thing, like what kind of movement brings you joy. It's a lot easier to motivate yourself to go do something you enjoy versus like, I would never be motivated CrossFit something for me. I don't, not an enjoyable thing. If that was like I, something I told myself, oh, that's the, the type of exercise I have to do. I'd probably never make it to the gym versus like, I like walking and I like going for doing body weight exercises. Like that's what I enjoy. So I think figuring out what you enjoy and how to get started with, with that task or yeah. like having an accountability buddy. Some of my clients have found that's helpful of like, whether it's like working with a trainer or having a friend that you go to classes with or something like that, where it's like, okay, having that external accountability makes it easier for me to achieve that goal is really helpful um yeah and similar i think the energy piece is is interesting where it's kind of like you can be so energized from exercise in a great way and there's such an endorphin rush and all the dopamine and all these great things that i would imagine that can be helpful in the sense of hey this can be a way to help energize and and stimulate in a certain way that's not just medication and no further kind of thinking around yeah. it. Yeah. And I think that's where I will see sometimes some people being kind of misconstruing the med misconstruing the medical model and being like, oh, doctors just want to give you meds and that's it. And it's like, no, someone who actually understands a, a health professional that understands ADHD understands that it's not just meds. You know, if that's what you want to do, awesome. Medication for some people, you know, some people don't go to go the medication route and that's fine. Other people, it's like therapy is really great. ADHD coaching is really great. Um, movement, other mindfulness practices, like looking at it from a more holistic, not holistic, but like all encompassing, I guess, when you kind of, yeah, you think about it. Like, yeah, it's great. 
thing. Like I go for walks in the middle of the day when my brain is like, I'm stuck. I just need to go walk around the block and listen to a couple songs. And then I can like kind of think through whatever I'm stuck with and kind of come back and do that. Or like solo dance parties, big fan of those in my like, you know, just dance it out for a few minutes and then I can kind of focus a little bit better. So it's like those sorts of things where it's like, yeah, this actually can, can help me out in a way that, um, you know, that's not just, you know, relying on medication or other things. Yeah, totally. Totally. Can I ask you a little more about the sleep piece? I'm so fascinated by that because, you know, a lot of the time, I mean, whether medicated or not, there's such a stimulation happening. Yeah. Um, and w- with sleep, I mean, I always think sleep is like the number one piece of health that just should never be sacrificed. <laughs> like, I don't care how many workouts you're doing, how many calories or whatever. It's like, get your sleep. Like everything else will kind of fall into place. But I know that can be a huge challenge. Um, and a lot of people are staying up really late or again, whether medicated or not. Are there some is that a common challenge? Are there some specific strategies you would kind of recommend around that? Yeah, there's a common, I don't know, it's called revenge bedtime procrastination. I don't know if you've ever heard of it before. No, revenge, what is it, revenge? Revenge bedtime procrastination. So it kind of the idea behind it. Yeah, it's basically (laughs) like when you know you need to go to bed, but it's like, hey, this is the time of the day for a lot of people. Like maybe your kids are in bed or it's like the window of the day where, you know, you're not at your job and you can do whatever you want, right? Like, cool. I'm going to, I'm going to scroll on social media or I'm going to binge watch the TV shows that I haven't got to watch all, you know, that I've wanted to watch or, you know, do whatever else your heart desires (laughs) can happen. And then it's like, and then with not having good ability to perceive time, all of a sudden, you know, it's, midnight one o'clock and you're like oh I wanted to go to bed at 10 30 like oops that was that was not the intention here yeah. um, so it can kind of be almost like a, that seems so common yeah it's kind of like oh this is I think even if you don't have ADHD definitely can have this where it's just kind of like this is my time and I'm going to do what I want to do um with my day so figuring out I think how to get to bed like having a almost a routine for bedtime can be really really helpful um I have found like powering off screens a little bit you know before I'm going to bed makes a big difference um like creating a good sleep environment like having it be dark and cool tends to be helpful um I even do like lavender like a little lavender spray on my on my pillows to kind of use somewhat like calming nice I Um, get it I do the same yeah, no I'm like shame. no shame. <laughs> Lavender spray at home. No problem. Oh, yeah. I had like a little eye mask thing and I was like, I'm getting old. But I was like, this just <laughs> I'm not it, like it makes such a difference if it I like and then it's a little bit light. My brain just automatically, you know, once I live in the city, so like it doesn't get completely dark <laughs> at night. So it's very easy to kind of get awake and then like crap, I can't go back to sleep. Um I've also found like bedtime meditations really helpful especially during like I may not do it all the time but especially if I'm stressed or anxious like listening to a guided meditation while I'm falling asleep just to kind of like quiet my brain um is helpful I've had other friends who I haven't done this yet but um they keep like a little notebook next to their bed because sometimes your brain it's just like you might not be physically hyperactive but your brain is just like 
racing and racing and racing as like a way to brain dump all of like whatever is in your head instead of just like cycling through over and over and over again like write it on a piece of paper go back and revisit it like the next day because there's nights where I'm like man these ideas I'm having right now these are amazing ideas like I hope I remember these when I wake up yeah <laughs> and I'm like okay if I could write those things down revisit it in the morning I can let my brain like stop just hyper fixating on these ideas or thoughts or problems that I'm having um so that's another tactic some ADHDers will kind of utilize that's great and I think that scenario of okay my kids or my partner or whatever are, are asleep and now you almost go into this um mode where you almost feel like a like a rebellious yeah kid or something and you're like I want to just like watch tv and eat snacks like leave me alone yeah. you know <laughs> And maybe a balance is saying like, cool, like if you genuinely enjoy that, like to your point, maybe it's not to villainize that as much as to say, cool, let's just not lose track of time. And maybe you have an hour that you're going to go do whatever you want. And then this, that behavior triggers this bedtime routine. Yeah. One of my friends or a colleague I have, she has like a special alarm, like on her phone um that lets her know when it's bedtime and like that could be it could be like your your alarm of like okay I'm gonna set I'm gonna do whatever I want um for an hour and then when that alarm goes off like at least sometimes you might not listen to it that happens <laughs> but at least being like hey okay I'm at least aware like I use that with my my Fitbit to remind me to like get up and walk during the day mm. especially if I'm like stuck at my desk yeah. And I act on it every time, but it's at least a reminder for me of like, you have been sitting for a while. You should probably, like, you should probably up. And if I don't do it this time, like I should probably do it the next time because I don't need to be sitting for like two hours straight kind of thing. But it totally. just kind of brings some awareness to the time. <laughs> yeah, that's so great. Yeah. I think the work you're doing is so awesome. It's so important. I, um... And I love too. I mean, just kind of putting all of it together, like especially around the not eating throughout the day and then eating too much at night or not eating, you know, throughout the day or not eating properly or enough protein or kind of navigating those hunger cues. And then at night snacking too much because it's easier or simpler. Or you haven't like all the stuff you're doing is solving so many problems for people. And I just think it's amazing. Seriously. It's yeah. great. You. the um, other thing I add, one last thing with that is like yeah. if you are struggling with that like don't shame yourself for it I used to be like that's what I struggled with in grad school and I would just beat myself up for it and it did nothing but just it didn't make the problem any better and then I finally got like let's get curious let's not judge myself and then realize like oh my body is just trying to make up for what it didn't get during the day like if you're barely eating anything during the day like it's is realistic to expect you to eat a lot of food at night because your body needs energy. So like if it that's happening, kind of like working backwards and seeing, like I would always work backwards and look at my day. Like, what did I have for lunch? What did I have for my snacks? Or did I not have? And like, what can I add more of the next day mm. to like make that, that behavior start to decrease over time? I love that. I always um, encourage people. I always think of it as just like, bringing curiosity towards the process where you're kind of like oh am I doing this or like what would happen if I tried this or just like yeah. doing that instead of beating yourself up or feeling you need to be perfect it's like what if I tried this sleep routine what if I tried cooking this way like and if you don't like it or it doesn't work for you 
that's also fine. It's just like, you're kind of investigating your health. Yeah. Yeah. I had a professor call it like, and more like related to our careers, but called it toe dabbling of like, take different little experiences. Yeah. Opportunity that you get, take it. And then, you know, figure out what you like or don't like from that experience. And it's the same thing with behavior change. Like try something out. If it doesn't work, cool. You've checked off a box that, that, that way of doing things doesn't work for you. And that just means you're getting closer to figuring out what is going to work. Because if you don't try other things, you're never going to know if you're just doing the same thing over and over again. Yeah. Like you're not going to find versus like, let me just try something different. And if it works great, if it doesn't work, that's also great too. Like it's not, you haven't failed in any way because a strategy or a tool or something didn't work for you. Totally. And for you personally, it sounds like bringing that towards it was a huge solve. Yeah. Yeah. I think for so long, it was just like, I just need to figure out how to control my eating. And I just need to get this under control. I need to stop being out of like, just eating all the things, blah, blah, blah. Like, and it was like, that's not working. <laughs> it yeah. it's like, nope, I'm still eating all the things. I guess it's I not like, that. I'm still feeling out of control and still feeling a lot of guilt and shame. And that was like the curiosity piece really helped remove the guilt and shame. And then you can really figure out like what does work and like, it might not be what someone else does. And I think that's, you know, always important to remember that like, if you see someone on social media or a friend or a family member, somebody, you know, doing like a coworker doing something and it works for them. If you try it and it doesn't work for you, it's, it's not that you failed in some way. It's just that that works for them. And it's, that's just a strategy that might not work for you. Yeah. It's gotta be personalized. I love it. Um, well, I have one more question for you. Yes. One more question. I ask everybody, <laughs> every guest. So we've talked today about so many things, right? Obviously ADHD, but we've talked kind of specifically around binge and restrict cycling, around snacking, around food textures, around medication, around protein, meal timing, metabolism, sleep, exercise, yeah. all the stuff. Um, so last question is, how would you define true health? Ooh, I love this question. I've actually been thinking about this recently of like, it is such an individualized, um, like what health means to you. So I think, I think true health is like living in a way that, you know, makes you feel your best both mentally and physically, um, would probably be how I would define true health. I love it. It's fantastic. Well, Thank you so much for anybody listening. I'm going to put in the show notes on any of the podcast platforms, links to your website where somebody can reach out for a discovery call to learn more about your work, your Instagram. Is there anywhere specifically they should check out or any specific link or program or group program or anything that you want to mention? Yeah. If you go to my my Instagram at ADHD.nutritionist. Um, the link in my bio is to book a free discovery call with me. So if you're interested in learning about um, my small group coaching program or working together, um, you're more than welcome to use that link to book a call. And I, I'd love to chat with you. Awesome. I love it. Well, thank you so much, Becca. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Ethan. Thank you. Have a good one. And everybody listening, check her out. Um, appreciate you. Any questions, like I said, you can go to the link in her Instagram bio. We'll put links in the podcast. You know, any questions for me, 
reach out, I'll connect you with Becca, whatever is simplest for you. So thank you guys. And Becca, thank you. Have an awesome uh, rest of your day. Thank you.